Hey everyone, it's Michael. Before we begin, want to remind you all to join the new Union Sports Goalkeeping Community, a social media network that reimagines how we engage, educate, and entertain one another. To download free, go to www.theunionsports.com or the Union Community on Apple or Google Play stores. Thanks for making the Union possible, and on with the show. Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Majid, live from Hollywood, California. With me, the one and only Pro GK Academy himself, Omar Zini. And joining us right off the training ground, because I got the times completely wrong, the one and only Dean Thornton from Swansea City FC, first team goalkeeper coach. Dean, I am an idiot. <laughs> no problem. Don't worry. <laughs> I honestly, man, you know, it was one of those things where literally somebody pops up in the chat section and they're like, it's 430 in Wales right now. I'm like, oh, it is. It is not 530. I did not have this right. Omar's like, it's fine. We'll just do a Q&A for the next hour. I'm like, all right, guys, keep those questions coming. Omar's your thoughts. That was the Q&A. All, all okay? Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, but I mean, we, we filled the air. I think a lot of people came for you, but uh, we did what we needed Sorry, to do. Guys. No, it's okay. No, it's okay. Good to have you now. It was, it was hilarious because it said like up on the thing, it said like, you know, any questions or comments for Dean Thornton? People were like, wow, he his he sure has gotten a lot of sun lately. He looks a little different <laughs> the last time we saw him. Um, Dean, for some people out there who are listening uh, or watching who might not be familiar with you, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about your job over at Swansea? Yeah, no worries. Um, so obviously I've been at Swansea now for just over eight months. Um, they took um, the manager from, from MK Dons, who I've worked with in the past and I worked with when I was actually playing, so uh, a number of years ago. Um, they took Russell Martin and myself, uh, another uh, two coaches and a sports scientist and an, an analyst. So we, we joined Swansea eight months ago. It's been um, it's been an up and down start, to be fair. It's been tricky because obviously different different philosophies, different methods, uh, different way of playing. Uh, luckily, the club have, have brought us in because they believe in the way that uh, the manager, Russell Martin, uh, wants to bring to the club. And so far, we've, we've been doing great. Um, we've been on a good run. I think we're unbeaten now in six or seven games. So it's slowly getting there, slowly clicking together. Um, like anything, and any new management team, it takes time. Um, and we're really lucky that the the club we're working at in Swansea uh, really believe in us as a staff, and obviously we believe in the players to to get us to the promised land, which eventually is going to be the, the Premier League. You, you know, it's 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 great that you said that right there because Omar was we were talking about this earlier, and we were talking about you know letting your goalkeepers play, letting your goalkeepers play, you know, and 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 we really honestly we we we've just been loving what we've been seeing with Swansea because I mean, talking about letting your goalkeepers play. I mean, I, 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 there was one moment we were watching Fisher and I was like, is he going to go up the field? Like, I thought that he was about to take a shot on goal. So just uh, just going back to your point there, Michael, like we we as a coaching staff, we um, we give the lads free reign where if they ever make a mistake playing out from the back, whether we lose possession, whether we concede a goal, um, it's not on them at all. It's, it's on us as a, as a coaching staff. Uh, and that's the first thing I think that's really important to or a clear message to get... Um, put across whether you're a first team player or wherever you're an, an eight-year-old uh, lad that plays grassroots football. Um, if you have a fear element of giving the ball away, you're you're never going to be successful, in, in my opinion. Um, so even at first team level here now, we, we always say to them that 
if you ever give a, um, a goal away or give the ball away from playing out from the back, it's it's not on you. It's on us as a management team. You, you know, I mean, I, I love the fact that you said that right there because, you know, we were just talking, you know, Omar, about the fact about the Zach Steffen scenario. You know, I mean, obviously there's been a lot of talk, you know, Dean, about that Zach Steffen scenario. I've got my thoughts in regards to from how that ball was played so direct, you know, the situation sure. that Zach is in as a, as a reserve keeper, uh, yeah. all of that. Well, not reserve, but backup keeper. Um, you know, Omar, I know that you had said, you know, that you have to recognize that these mistakes are going to happen if you're going to play a certain way and live and die by these incidents. And I love, Dino, what you said about, you know, taking the responsibility. Omar, is that the same way you feel? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the, uh, Dina, actually, I, I posted a, a graphic of you like a month ago, maybe, and it was exactly what you just said. It's like, I, I have it here, I'm going to read it. The message is clear. If you are a keeper or a defender and you make a mistake playing out from the back in the way we play, then that is on the coaching staff, not on the player. We're very clear on that. So everything you just said, again, I want to read the graphic, but I think that to that point, Mike, is like, we are allowing you to play with confidence and again it, it, there's the give and take we're like we're allowing it to you and we want to see the goalkeepers that have the ability to play with their feet and the ability to you know uh break lines with their passing we're going to give you the confidence to go ahead and do it but you omar did you freeze yeah i think i'm freezing that's but hilarious just, just oh, well omar you said there you, you're completely right you're you're giving them license to play um with us we're, we're massive on structure um, I see. Well, I've seen it a lot over the years where they tell the goalie to play out from the back, but a lot of teams are, or a lot of individuals think playing out from the back is the goalkeeper plays to centre half. Um, with the structure and the team shape, people are in the right positions for for different scenarios. Whether you're being pressed with a one man, or you're being pressed by two, uh, or just how the the opposition is set up against you anyway. Whether they're a low block or they're a mid block, whatever. It's uh, there's a structure, so. You have to do the the work on the training ground to then put into place on a match day. Now, from Monday to Friday, you could be the best player on the pitch. But when it comes to Saturday, it's completely different because there's 20, 25, 30,000 or many at the game. And there's, of course, there's more pressure because there's an opposition there that are, are willing to try, or trying to beat you at all costs. Um, and this is where I said to you, Mark, yesterday about linking it to obviously the culture and like the lifespan of a manager. Um Managers have maybe 15 months in England in their job. Um, so in my opinion, and it's only my opinion, um, it's really easy to go back to front, take a, a goal kick and you, you launch it 70 yards down the pitch. Um, I think if if you break it down again, how many teams where they take a goal kick, they they launch it 70 yards, they lose the ball um, and the opposition score against them. It never gets highlighted at all. Um, it says, oh, it's, a, it's unlucky the defender slipped or what a great goal from the opposition. Where if you give the ball away um, and it's outside your punting box, it's seen as a goalkeeper mistake. Um, so this is where we we talk about structure as a, as a team at Swansea. Um, I'll be honest, off the top of my head, and I might be mistaken, I don't think we've conceded the goal this season from uh, an error from us playing out from the back. Wow. I, can't, I can't think of one. Um, and... When it happens, and if it happens, it, it happens. That's that's the way it is. But the goalkeeper for us is the spare man. So when we talk about playing out from the back, it's all about uh, timing. It's all about distances and, and how you pass it, the detail of the pass. It's not just play to the centre-half and the centre-half gets lucky and plays into the midfield or he plays into the forward. Uh, it's all about structure of us. Um, like I said to you yesterday, Michael, I don't want to give too many secrets away about how we play because obviously there's still, <laughs> still a couple of games to go in the season. So... 
if anyone's listening to this that we we come up against, I'm not going to tell them too much. But, I just um, I just want to know all the championship managers that are watching inside the 18 <laughs> right now. You never just know. Like all the, you never Bournemouth's know. like, yeah, like oh, he's going to give away something right now. Like I'm sure that's what's. what's that. Fulham <laughs> doesn't care anymore. They're already promoted. They don't. They, they don't care anymore. That's true. <laughs> Dean, question for you. Um, do you if if a goalkeeper is not seeing certain passes at halftime, do you guys have like a you know the the live stream going on 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 the iPad or something like that, and you say, "Hey, look, this is where I this is where I feel like you're missing um, some of the signs or some of the visual triggers." Yeah, we we have live uh, live stream during the game. So myself, uh, Matt Gill, and Chris O'Leary, uh, who are the obviously the first team coaches, Russell's the manager, obviously at the front of the technical box. We've we've got an iPad with a live stream. Um, for example, an incident happened on uh, trying to think that back holiday Monday. Um, they we conceded right at the end, and um, the gaffer said to me straight away, "Oh, the, the keeper should come for it." Uh, watched it back on live stream. I said to the, the gaffer, "I don't believe you can," uh, and I'm lucky that the gaffer I, I work with um, trusts me and believes in me. Well, I hope. Uh, and he watched the, the live stream straight away and said, "No, I completely agree with you." Uh, so that's where that tool's come in come in handy for us. Um, but we break it down um, every every training session. We break down every game. We break down whether it's a uh, a team meeting or a unit meeting. So, like for example, today I've I've come back from training this afternoon where I've had a, an individual goalkeepers meeting with with Andy Fisher who played against Reading Monday. Uh, we've had a um, a defenders and goalkeepers meeting that was led by the manager. Uh, we've had a wing backs meeting that was led by Matt Gill, uh, and we've had another uh, attacking meeting led by Matt Gill as, as well. Um, so yeah, so we'll we'll break it down like you say, Omar. Um, and again, we just give them that responsibility. I'm not telling them that you should do this or should do that. It's always on the goalie because obviously the, the picture changes. Uh, watching the game from the sideline at, at pitch level, um, the keepers see different things that we don't. And it's a split second. If it's a split second where the centre forward decides to press or a split second where we haven't moved in our structure, uh, we don't always see it. So it's just a, more of a guidance for them. But we typically break the game down the following Monday or, or Tuesday whenever, whenever we're in. But Live stream we do use in, in certain instances, especially when we're speaking, trying to speak to the full fisher and don't listen to us. <laughs> I, I was going to say this right now, by the way, Dean, um, when Omar said that he quoted you, uh, you're in fantastic company because the only other quotes I think I've seen Omar post on, on Pro GK Academy are like Casper Schmeichel, Buffon, <laughs> Casillas, Dean Thornton. So uh, so you're in, in, in very in privileged. Pretty, you're very, I mean, it was much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> it was for me too. It's like, yeah, I don't think coaches understand this, but like you guys give us younger coaches that courage as well. Like you're, you guys have a specific philosophy and a lot of people say they have a philosophy, but you know, never on, on camera or never uh, as like an actual soundbite. I think it was the, your, I think it was Swansea actually, their own media team was interviewing you when you said this. So it was just kind of like, it was nice to actually, you know, see somebody at that level stick to their principles and for better or for worse, you guys understand what your, what your goals are with the team and, and you instill that with the players and just saying it with your chest. And I think that's, that's huge. And, and for me as well, just realizing like that is something that I want to live by in terms of letting the goalkeepers play off instinct and seeing that at the next level makes me sure that what I'm saying, it makes, it's, it's the right thing to do. Well, the, the reason why we do that, Omar, is that, like I said, a management team, especially at premiership or championship, they say it's around about 15 months. Now, if you're only going to be in that job for that amount of time, I know the, the manager's massive on this, and I'm, I believe in, in what the manager says completely, that if you're only going to be there 15 months, why don't you do it your way? Instead of listening to other people, or maybe you should do this, do that, or the, the crowd are booing because you're, you're passing too much, 
if you've only got 15 months in that job and you really believe in that style, then you have to stick to it. Um, we've we've been up against people this year and, and last year where they say they want to do this, they say they want to play, uh, and then they say, look, I'll be honest, the fear the fear's got to them and I've, I've had to change. Uh, and it's that's up to them. Um, but if I'm going to be in that job for 15 months, obviously we want to be in the job a hell of a lot longer. Um, but we'd, we'd rather get sacked doing doing it our way uh, rather than changing. And in, in our, we, we say it's, you turn up to a game and it's a toss for coin if you don't know what you're doing and the opposition don't know what they're doing because they think they're going to change for you. So if, if, if you've got a philosophy and a style that you really believe is going to get you to the next level and be successful in the game, then you, you have to stick with it. And there's, there's going to be pain. There's always going to be pain, especially when you, you start a new, a new process, a new project. Um, I link it to business. How many businesses start on day one with a complete different staff that are in profit? They're, they're not. It takes time. And that's why I think it's madness in the British game uh, right now where people don't get the time that they need. Um, I, see, I see yesterday in Scotland, I think it was uh, Sean Maloney, he's been sacked after 16 weeks. What, what can you do in 16 weeks? It's, in, it's incredible. It's not his team. Uh, obviously, here we, yeah. we didn't get a pre-season because we come in a week before the, the season started. So we're really excited about the, the, the project that we've got right now because um, already we, we've lived it already at MK and F, MK are flying now there. Hopefully, they're going to get promoted this season into the championship. So we'll see them next season. Um, but we, we had three windows with that team where it took time and it is painful because it's a start of something new. It's a start of something where players might want to not play the way they want to play. So they're obviously a little bit reluctant to, to throw everything in right away, which we understand. And it's, we're asking them to play the hardest way possible where it's play at all costs. And it is tough. You know, it, it, one thing, Dean, that I want to bring up before we kind of get into the day's topic here is that, you know, when you were when you were chatting about in regards to when you when you came into Swansea, you said that the supporters, when you first met with the supporters, that they were actually really for lack of a better term, appreciative of the fact that like you guys are willing to play a certain style and they were, and they were basically encouraging and say, Hey, keep playing like that. Keep playing like that. Keep playing like that. You know, we want to see you keep playing like that, you know, and we're going to be behind you, which is very different than when I think of my, you know, stereotype of, you know, English supporters, I think very much, you know, like get three points or we don't care, you know, no, so that's, that's, a, that's it. That's completely, I think it. that's massive. If you have that type of an environment at the, at the, you know, at the, at the pitch like that. My um, my first experience in Swansea, um, I, I come down a couple of days later because the actual day we agreed to to sign for Swansea on a Sunday, um, I was actually in hospital. My my little girl was born, so I had to I had to come down three or four days later. Um, and my first experience in Swansea was my myself, uh, one of the coaches and the gaffer. We were in um, in a restaurant in town, and I see a, I see a fan looking over, and obviously they they recognise Russell. Uh, and I've said to Russell, well, there's, a, there's, a, there's a man here looking at you. I think he wants to say something to you. Um, and he kept looking over, he kept looking over. Um, and I just said to him, how are you, everything okay? And he came up to us and just said, um, all I ask is that you you play the way uh, we see football. And that's total possession. And it wasn't the typical, as you say, Michael, make sure you win at all costs and get the three points. This this man was brilliant. He said, we love what you've done, but but we you've now got to do it here at Swansea. We're, we're massive on the philosophy and the style of play. Uh, and I come away going, I'm, honestly, I've, I've never had that in my life, ever. I've had 16 years now as a coach, 15 years, I can't remember now. Um, but it's the first time I've been at a club where a fans actually said to me, all we ask is you keep the style of play. And I, I thought that was incredible. And that's when we knew straight away we're, we're at the right club for, for us as a management team and a young management team. Yeah. 
Um, uh, let, let's move on to this topic right here, guys, and because I, I think this is a really fascinating topic, and today's guy's topic is restarts. Um, I think it's something, you know, Dean, that I think a lot of young goalkeeper coaches don't even take into account when they're putting their session design together. Um, it's very artificial when they do it. So for maybe some people out there that don't know what we're referring to, what do we mean by restarts? So for us, obviously, a, a restart for us is a time to get back in possession of the ball. Uh, and we say it's, it's time to hurt the opposition because when we've got the ball on a restart, for us, we want to play as quick as we can. We want to keep the ball in play as much as we can. Um, but we also want to drag them about. Um, and it's the worst thing in the world when you know you're going to an opposition team and you're not going to touch the ball. So for me, a restart could be a goal kick. It could be a direct free kick. It could be a corner. It's just a, another way of us to, to hold on to the ball and, and hurt the opposition physically and mentally. Yeah, you know, uh, Omar, I, I want to ask you this because, you know, one, one of the things that with restarts we were talking about earlier, I mean, I, I don't want to make this topic about Ramadan, but we we're talking about mental mental focus. You know, a lot of younger goalkeepers, and I know you've worked a little bit with the academy level, you know, they're, they're spaced out on these restarts. They don't recognize how important at the professional level, you know, their positioning, where they are in regards to the rhythm of the game, you know, and and what the tendencies and, and are of the other team are so important for them and where they're positioning themselves on these restarts. Yeah, I think, I mean, the biggest one is when we talk about receiving the back pass, I think a lot of times as we were growing up, they tell us to stand outside the goal just a little bit, just in case there's an error. If that ball goes under your foot, it goes out of bounds and you, you know, the, the risk versus reward, we, we check that off the box. But then now I, I'm realizing too, to gain that actual ground and to force the opposition, whether they're pressing with two or they're pressing with two and then, you know, somebody pressing R6 is to stay more central in the goal so you have more space to actually find a pass or get a prep touch moving forward and then find a pass to break some lines. So I feel like uh, to that extent, Mike, for me, it's like a lot of kids are, are married to trying to do things a certain way when in reality on restarts, there's a specific way, as Dean said, it's to hurt the opposition. And it's getting out of that, I guess, line of thinking to actually create more advantageous positions for yourself. So for me, that's the only thing that I've really struggled with with these, you know, in private sessions with young kids is they always show outside the goal. When in reality, in my opinion, it's like get comfortable receiving the ball, the center of the goal, just so you have an op opportunity for those guys, two guys that are pressing, they have to actually cover more ground. And then it gives you an opportunity to shift some lines and then from there to exploit uh, and expose certain balls down the, down the field. Yeah, Dean, I, I got a question for you right there, and feel free to step in any time here. Is that at the at the at the foundational ages when you're when you're working at the academy ages? And I know you've done a lot of work with your with your academy, and feel free to talk about your academy anytime you want. We're happy to plug it. Um, how often do you work with the the young the younger players on understanding their role in a restart and how important where they are off the ball is to the match situation? I'll be honest, I, I haven't worked with the younger players for a, a long time now. I've obviously been working more with the senior team. Um, so I can only go really on the what we do with the senior team. Um, every day is the answer. Every day is a day of working on a restart. Uh, and because obviously that's the the start of the, the process, we call it, um, you have to keep re-highlighting the topic. You have to keep changing things because two or three games in some teams will suss you out and you have to, you have to find another way. Uh, and we're never going to change away from playing out from the back. We're never going to decide to uh, hit a ball into a channel because we don't, we don't believe in channel balls. I think it's madness. Um, don't don't go off topic, but when we talk about channel balls, um, why, why do you want your centre forward running, facing the, facing the corner flag, being nowhere near the middle of the, the opposition goal? It, it, it just makes me laugh. Um, 
so yeah link, linking it to restarts the, the answer for us is we we do it every day uh we'll do a tactical sh uh, session where we're working on and it, again no more it's small details like you say it could be um for even at working with the the championship players the, the minor detail of it's not minor but it's a detail of just a real soft pass so that the, the the goalkeeper can bounce it straight away or the the four who's coming in to receive it can play around the corner straight away. And it's taken for granted, uh, even at top, top level, where the best players in the world, can, of course, they can handle the ball. But when you're, when you're not a top player and this, uh, the smallest details off, the structure can go straight away. Uh, so if I link that down to the, to the younger age groups, Michael, um, for me, it's obviously the, the ball skills of um, practicing all the time, uh, whether it's at, in the playground, whether it's, I, I liked, for my, my in my opinion, I liked a, a goalkeeper that plays for an academy, for example. Say he's a 10-year-old that plays for Chelsea. I would always try to convince them to play out on pitch for their school, out on pitch for, if they can, if they're good enough to play on pitch for their county, um, just so they can um, go through the process of what the, the, uh, the outfield players are doing. Because it's okay playing in goal from seven till you're 35. But you need to understand and recognise what the what the outfield players do, and vice versa. I'd I'd, I'd recommend that the outfield players play and go at a younger age as well because they they see what you're you're dealing with, um, and it's for me that's why the the best goalkeepers, um, the people like the Edisons, the Stegans, that their their brain and their knowledge and the, the amount that they can take on and they can make that perfect pass in a split second. That's why they're that's why they're top, and that's why they're, they're top players in the Premier League or for their country or wherever, wherever they are. That's why that's a difference. And it's, and it is minor details of just taking care of the ball. Um, like I said, how to receive it, where, where to receive it. Um, and that, that's linked to the outfield boys as well. We talk about playing out from the back. A lot of, a lot of play, um, teams will say, right, they get it from one set and a half, go to the goalie and they pass it straight away to the, to the other set and a half. But in our opinion, the center forward hasn't, hasn't actually moved. So we we call it hook. So we wait for the center forward to come close. So then you either bounce him around them or you can play through the lines and you've actually physically moved them. Where I, I do think at younger age groups, we say plan out from the back, they just pass it for the sake of passing. But the, the opposition don't get moved. That's that's the big thing is having the having the ball, so to so to speak, to to really drag the centre forward into hook to play around them. And that's that's the detail you go to. I was just going to say, Dean, you know, and, and Omar, you know, this is something that we've discussed in regards to the fact is that that so much, so many times, especially at the younger levels and even even at the academy levels, at the higher academy levels, you know, the goalkeepers, they're telegraphing these passes or, you know, the backs are, are telegraphing these passes as opposed to the disguise. And I know I've been watching in regards to some of the footage with the lights and everything like that is is that you guys are trying to do a really good job of making sure that there's a purpose for every pass, every touch that is made by the goalkeeper. Yeah, a few things. I think two things I want to cover there is one, uh, Dean, your point is, is right on point. I think at the younger ages, a lot of these kids, because they've seen Ederson hit that final pass, they don't really pay attention. As long as it aesthetically, if it optics right, if it looks good and that ball gets played in, they'd hit it in isolation. So they put the ball down and in practice, they if it's floated, they try to get it to the person's chest. If it's driven, they at a young age see those two passes being the exact same. When in reality, in a game, if you're on the move or receiving a back pass and you're taking it, taking it into space, how you play that ball to the wing back or to, uh, let's say, an eight who starts a little bit wider, how you play that ball to them is, is everything. So if you have a situation where you're trying to keep possession of the ball and you, got, you have a, a left wing back for the other team defensively covering the half space, 
is that ball better for you to play, you know, to the, in the front foot of, of uh, your wing back or to the back foot so we can keep possession? And that's something we've been discussing as well. It's like sometimes playing that back foot where you kind of play, it's, it's landing at their foot as they receive it on the touchline. So then that guy is frozen, the wing, the wing back for the opposing team defensively, who's covering that half space, is stuck. So then doing that, and then now we break, we are, we've already broken two or three lines. When in reality, there are sometimes guys who float these balls up, and by the time they float it, even if you play the back foot, it's, it's so delayed and you're slowing the whole game down. Yeah, it looked great aesthetically. It looked great. Everyone's going to applaud you because it's a completed pass. But did you, like you said, did you really move the opposition? Did you threaten the opposition? Did you make anything happen? And I think that is, we talk about going from level to level to level, is the finest margins. And I think that tactical understanding and putting into practice those actual principles. So technically, you're making the right decision. Not just making the right pass, but the actual right decision of which foot to play. Is this, is this ball going to be a lofted ball so the guy can flick it on? It's just all those things that really come down to it. And I think at the next level, because you're playing in rondos, because you're, you're a part of like team stuff at a young age, you're able to see those passes and you're able to see tendencies and actual uh, pictures that, that continue to uh, appear throughout the match. Just just going on that point, Omar, you're, you're, you're bang on, mate. Um, when you... And I've, I can only go from my experiences. Um, when we talk about goalkeepers playing, um, when the outfield coaches say, no, they can't join in rondos, no, they can't join in uh, a passing practice, no, they can't join in boxes, the, my question is always, well, why? Oh, because the, the session will, will, will break up. Okay, well, in a, but in a game, you want the goalkeeper to play, but you're not going to let them join in the outfield practice because you're, you're frightened about your session. It's not, it's not your session. It's the player's session. And if you're wanting someone to to implement a practice design into a game, then they, they have to live it. They can't just turn up on a, a Saturday or a Tuesday or whenever the game is and just do it. And with the greatest respect to, to goalkeeping, um, going back years ago, there, there probably was a reason why you end up being a goalkeeper. One, because I, I chose to. I didn't want to run. That was my that was my reason. I hated running. Um, but two, you, you might not have been good enough on pitch. And that, that's fine. I, I can work with that. No, no problem at all. But it's when a goalkeeper uh, has a misplaced pass, it's, oh, come on. Like, no, no, you've not put that goalkeeper in a passing practice. So the only time you might get to actually play, and remember, we, we work in smaller groups and we have smaller areas. We, we don't get a whole pitch. We might have 10 goalies, especially at academy level. You might have 10 goalkeepers in an 18-yard box and the, the youngest goalkeeper could be eight and the oldest goalkeeper could be 15. It's, it's tough and I don't think people appreciate what goalkeeper coaching actually goes through. Um, and you've got to go back to like going back to that 10 keepers in that an 18 yard box. You've got different size footballs. So how, how do you want us to really work on playing out from the back and when you're working with an eight year old and a 15 year old in the same uh, same session? So my, my argument always is no problem. You want your goalkeepers play out from back. They have to join in with the outfield players. And that's how, that's how they get that confidence from from working with them. And they get in relationships with the, with the players. Yeah, I, I've got a question for you, Dean, you know, real quickly right here. When for for some, you know, young goalkeepers out there listening, what triggers and cues should they be looking for specifically in restarts that are going to determine how their actions are going to be? So with the with the younger goalkeepers, triggers and cues for me is is giving them the ownership to go and freely do it. Uh, and I don't want to go through like how and why they should be doing it. But my my I would say to the younger goalkeepers, Please play free as much as you can. Don't listen to your, your dad shouting behind goal. Play what you think's right. And if it's not right, don't worry. No, you're not going to, nothing's going to, you might lose the game. No, okay, you've lost the game. No problem. You work on it the week after. Uh, and this is what we said earlier, Michael, about linking it to, to the culture, uh, the British culture, definitely. Um, 
trigger than cues. So I see I see Bravo make a mistake with a restart playing out from the back for, for Man City. Um, Aaron Ramsdale, the same day, uh, was on loan, I think, at Chesterfield. He might have been 17, 18. Uh, and he got caught playing out from the back. And Sky Sports over here highlighted this young English, British goalkeeper and absolutely battered him all day. Carlo Bravo had nothing. And I, luckily, I've, I've got someone I know works for Sky Sports. And I said, look, why, why are you hammering a, a young British goalkeeper? He's 17 and he's playing in football league. Uh, and they said to me, oh, that's just what the, the Sky Sports want. And I'm thinking, how, how are we meant to improve then if they're targeting young British players that are trying to earn their way in the Football League, Premier League, and they're getting battered for doing the same thing that an experienced pro's done. But because he's from Spain or Portugal or wherever, it's not been highlighted. So with, with trigger and restarts for, for younger age groups, obviously, I'm not sure how it works in the States, Michael, but with the younger age groups um, from, I think it goes about under 10s, the opposition have to start behind the halfway line at grassroots level. Yeah. Yeah, so obviously they've here, got a license, but and I think that's brilliant because I remember when I played, you were your nine-year-old, you you can't do an Edison and turn them seventy yards, you, and many of them do, um, and the opposition just put a, a centre forward right in front of the eighteen-yard box. And you're thinking, hang on, like, this kid's nine, he can't even reach the eighteen-yard box. Like you've got to give him time to develop. So from from the FA's point of view, I think they've done brilliant with that, where they they have to drop and they have to, and I love it because it, it gives them a freedom and it gives them a chance to learn. Yeah, you know, I mean, Omar, Omar, before the build-out line, when you were playing youth, you remember, you know, there's your situations that you would get caught in when you were being... <laughs> Yeah, I'd get shit from half field or I'd, I'd I mean, yeah, it's, it, it wasn't, it wasn't great. But it, but it also wasn't realistic to the game. It wasn't, it wasn't realistic to the game because that wouldn't happen at the higher, at the higher levels because again, you know, the, the skill sets of the players would be very different and the dimensions would be very different. So, you know, now you're playing a different game. You're teaching a different game to these young goalkeepers that isn't going to be realistic. You know, um, I love the fact, you know, Dean, uh, and I forgot who brought this up uh, on a recent podcast, but, you know, I think Suskia brought this up. She said, why would you in a small sided game, train your goalkeepers to play a specific way that that is successful for that small sided game, but it's not going to work in the 11 sided game. Now you're teaching them to play the sevens game as opposed to the 11s game. Exactly that. Exactly. That. But, I, but I think, I think that's, that's where the coaching comes in as uh, even from goalkeeper side of it. It's like, look, this is what the, the drill presents, but let's try and find a way to flip the perspective. So we're working on something that is easily translatable to the 11 aside. And I think that is, again, when you work with the goalkeepers enough, you start recognizing patterns that they may have. And you say, hey, today I want you to work on playing the front foot. Today I want you to work on your prep touch. Today I want you to work on your commu uh, communication to try and receive the ball in difficult areas to provide yeah. a solution for the team. So there's ways to, around that stuff, I think. Um, but again, you have to be really, really intentional with those days and, and recognize what the session plan is from the coach that's it as long as you have you've got a clear message and a clear identity to what you want to do that that working week or that six week block that's that's brilliant because they the goalkeepers have a clear identity to what they want to do it's when they've decided to clip a ball into the eight and the coach says no you've got to play into the, the five or the six and then you play to the five or six they get caught and they turn around and go, why don't you play into the eight and you go well i just <laughs> did and you just told me not to that, yeah. that's where you at younger age you need a clear clear message uh, and I, to be fair, I think they, they're in the academies here, they've started to to be a lot, I wouldn't say nicer, but a lot easier on goalkeepers. <laughs> um, Mike, I, I got, go ahead, Omar. Just real quick to your question that you asked earlier, I think um, in terms of like the triggers, I, I have a few. One is is I, we've we had situations here sometimes where our center backs don't want the ball. So it's like we have sometimes our goalkeeper just plays the center back just to play him when in reality. 
or because he's so close to him, he's playing him like a three-yard ball back to him. It's just like handing a, a, a grenade to somebody. You're playing a three-yard ball, and now you as a goalkeeper are, are in an even worse situation had you not just played the direct ball yourself or dropped the center backs a little bit deeper so that if you did get that pass back, you have a little bit more, uh, let's say, like a bigger window to, to find a, an end pass for us. So that's one thing is understanding who your personnel is and do they want the ball. Uh, the second one is, too, is like, is your team set up to play short? Or is the flow of the game in such a way that playing short right now would, would create even more stress to the team? For me, it's like, okay, if, if, they've, if we've played two or three times short and they've almost scored from them or we've had trouble building out, mix it up a little bit so that the press isn't so con- you know, uh, continuous. Let's play a big one or play into one of the wing backs and then get us out and let's build from there. So understanding that there's a concept, but the context of the match is super important and then playing within that. Yeah. No, I, I love what you just said right there, Omar. Um, I want to do this right now, uh, Dean, is I, I want I want to throw a few pictures up here. So I want people to kind of get get an idea right here. Um, are you comfortable with us uh, playing, uh, you know, uh, Josh's some of some of Josh's stuff, which is. Yeah, uh, so we've obviously okay. the, the clips you sent me, Mark, with Josh at the time, yeah. we wasn't at the club then. Uh, oh, so OK, I, gotcha. I, I, I've never met Josh before. I've, and okay. it's the first time I've actually seen this. Okay. Um, so well then, then some let's uh, let's pull this up because I would love your I would love your thoughts and maybe if Josh is watching or if he watches this later maybe he'll have some some thoughts as well too. So let's uh, let's see if we can uh, we can get this up here right here. So I think this first one starting is actually on a th- on a throw in right here. Yeah. yeah. So this is just so simple throw in. Just just on this, Mark. Obviously, um, I'll just explain the background here on Josh. Josh is out on loan to Ebbsfleet. Um, and like I said, this is prior to to us coming in. So these are the clips I, I, I first see earlier today. Um, before he actually throws it, my, my first thought is recognising who you're playing with. Um, I don't know if this is Josh's first game. I don't know if this is his 10th game on loan. I'm not sure. Uh, but Josh is left-footed. So the first thing I'm thinking of is, right, one, we haven't moved the opposition. Uh, so if you let the video play, and I'll, I'll talk through the yeah. video, it'll be easier. Yeah. So we've started a quick throw, no problem. Okay. Her catalogue mistakes straight away. Um, one, the, if you can go back, that's okay, Michael. One, yeah, one sure. you've got to look at the throw. Um, two, if I'm if I'm the goalkeeper now, um, and I'm and if their method was to to play out for the goalkeeper, um, I'd be t- I'd be telling the centre half to to go out so there's more space to play. Um, and if he does, if the centre forward then goes into the the goalkeeper, there's a potential play, uh, there's a potential starting point of the uh, the centre half receiving the ball from the throw in. Um, so one, I'd look at the throw-in type, to the detail of the pass back to the the, the that took the throw in. I don't know if that's the opposite centre half or the right back, um, but I'd look at the structure that you're setting. You're playing a throw into a keeper that's got a two-man press. The two lads that are working with him, they I don't think they've worked on it, and that's my opinion. I, I could be completely wrong, um, yeah. but it, it seems to be there's no structure in where they want them two guys to be because one they haven't moved since the throw-in. Uh, and two, when it goes back to uh, the thrower, they just set a press. And I think, if I'm being brutally honest, I think the throwing is terrible. And now it's been, it is those quick throwing and they've just dealt with it. That's my yeah. opinion. Omar, anything you want to add? Uh, I mean, to, to Dean's point right there, I think that's that's huge when we're talking about like uh, small-sided games and how it translates. I don't know how many times I've seen a center back occupy the same space as the goalkeeper. And I'm like, dude, you have to understand, like, do you want pressure on you or do you want to do the exact same job as a center back? No, you There's need to guy. force right that guy. <laughs> yeah, so if it's like, you yeah. know, so it's like 6v6 six, six and we're playing like a 3-2... 
three, two, one or something like that in training. It's like, if you have that opportunity to step in as that left center back or that right center back, you push the wing back or the winger, uh, the left back, right back further out. So you occupy that space. So to this point as well, it's like, yeah, maybe he didn't have full control of the situation because the guy on the ball is, I guess, I guess dictating the throw and, and you know, when he throws it, but that's when you have situations of like, okay, look, can we shift you out a little bit further just so that if I have to hit a one-time clearance, I'm not getting pressed. Or if I have to have an opportunity to bring it down, I can take two touches and, and play a crisper pass. But again, it's those little things as well. You can identify in training that uh, will apply in these situations as well. I commend them as well though, because they are, they are trying to play and not, mm -hmm. they want to play for it. And I think that's brilliant. So first of all, like we can't, we can't be tearing them apart on what they should and should have oh, done. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they've been brilliant, and they've wanted to do it. But what, what I would say is the the detail of the pass, um, the detail back from Josh to the the thrower, uh, and the movement, um, and go back to like triggers, like you say, if you're getting thrown back, you need you need to move, and if you don't move, and the structure doesn't move, it's there's it's gonna it's gonna end in tears, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, he I did, think I, mean, I he think did really well here. Shit, I mean, he did better yeah, than, I mean, I mean, most people probably I, would do. I mean, I would I would probably have done the exact same thing. I wouldn't have tried tried to take a chance in that situation right there. I mean, because again, you're right. The, the way that throw-in came in, the flight of that ball right there, and the the distance of that player to him, like you know, mm -hmm. if you're going to try to play that, I mean, I probably would have cleared it because honestly, I probably wouldn't have even taken the chance of trying to play it back into a yeah. space where somebody could could get it. But I'm not as good as Josh. So um, here's, here's a question for you guys: How yeah. many how many times in in training sessions do you actually work on on throw-ins? Whether it's in a, a small sided game, do because most most teams start from if the ball goes out, it's the opposition goalkeeper that starts it, or they might start with a corner. Um, how how many times do you actually work on throw-ins in the week? Considering it's a it's a massive part of the game. Uh, in here, I think normally in ball in plays normally in our, in the games we play is normally about I think about fifty seven minutes ball in play. So the balls balls that are played a hell of a lot. How many times do we actually start with a throw-in? And how many even at first you know we've we've got players that struggled to take a throw in at first team level because I've, I've, I've never played that position before. I never had to do it. Uh, or they just, they don't work on it. How many teams actually work on a throw in? Oh, Mario, you want, you want to speak on that? Do you want to, do you want to get fired or what? what what's no, we, we, we don't, we don't, we don't work on it enough, but I mean, uh, I think we've, we even counted sometimes too, like how many situations we, bad situations we put ourselves in because we're not set up how on the throw in or we haven't worked on it. Yeah. How many turnovers and then transition yeah. moments because, you know, our opposite, our opposite eight didn't, you know, shift in. And now there's a huge, a huge gap in the middle of the field. There's like things like that. We did, um, we did a study actually last, uh, last season at MK, MK Dons, our previous club to Swansea. Um, and if I remember rightly, um, I think we conceded nine goals last year from us taking a throw in where we are, but not set up properly or we've rushed it. Um, and the, the team counted and they scored from it. So we conceded nine goals from us having the ball actually in our hand, which is is not good enough. Wow. So, so it's, it's so, a lot. It'd be interesting to see how many teams concede from their own throw-ins. I mean, wow. I, I mean, I was just, I'm just thinking about right now, just in my mind, when wheels are turning, it's like I kind of want to do like a throw-in session with goalkeepers this weekend. It's like that's kind of <laughs> what I, what I want to do is just work with them uh, on that. But all, honestly, seeing goalkeepers throw, make the throw-ins, I'm really concerned about that. <laughs> It's going to be it's going to be rough at the younger ages. Um, let's move on to this picture right here. So now this is a no this is a restart and a goal kick right here. So quickly plays the ball. But here's here's the thing. And Omar brought this up earlier um, as, as we play this right here. Were the players set up, Dean, before before he played it, that ball? In, in my opinion, it, it seems like it's the traditional. You've got to play 
and it's the nearest player to the ball and he's decided to play to the right-hand side. Um, I don't understand why they've played down that side because obviously we can't see the further onto the clip, but I can only imagine that the, the, the player that's received the ball has got a player up his back and is probably going to end up going back anyway. Um, for, for me, personally, I'd, I'd have cleared the space with the, the number four who's on the edge of the box. I'd have cleared the space, tell him to move. You've then got a 2v1 versus number 11. Uh, if Josh decides to play to the right-hand side, for me, Josh should go back into the roundabout the penalty spot. And if he bounces it, then you've taken the press out of the game already and you're in your one man down. Um, for me, the only way it's fair from a restart is if the opposition goalkeeper decides to defend against the other goalkeeper because it's 11v11 in terms of players. So if you've got a 2v1 and you break the press straight away, you're, you're already in, in credit in numbers. Yeah. Omar, anything you want to add to that? Play it. Keep playing it. Okay. Start from the top. Here we go. So, puts the ball down quickly. Player sets up. See, for me, I don't. The purpose again. It's a purpose. What's the purpose of that pass right there? What did that? How did that pass? If every pass is supposed to increase our percentage uh, of a chance to get a shot on goal, what exactly did that ball do right there? Yeah, that's that's honestly one thing as as well that we've tried to change here at uh, with with the lights is where you're being pressed as a center back. And again, this is just like overarching theme, not necessarily this clip, but it's like the theme of if you're going to play the center back, make sure he's not in line with the striker because it's an easy, like direct route from that striker to go vertically directly to the, uh, to the center back. And now the center back is either going to play you a terrible pass or if the wing back is too advanced, that guy literally is going to do this, let the ball go across him and then play a long ball. So it's, it's just, it kind of defeats the purpose. But again, too, just making sure the players are set up uh, in a way where they're not in the same line as the press. Yeah, I mean, for me, like this is this is something that I see at the youth levels all the time: is play the ball quick. And again, did you look at his glance? He's literally. See, this this is, is not for, nothing against Josh at all whatsoever. But look no, at his no, look at his shape. For me, this his is shape is only looking at that space. Yeah, for me, this is what um, we do in England, at, at, even at academy level, at grass, at younger academy level, where. Playing out from the back, they played centre half. You get trapped down one hand side. The centre half ends up launching it 50, 60 yards. That's that's not playing out from the back for me. That's passing the ball and then just just turn, trying to turn the opposition. That that's not how I see playing out from the back at all. So Dean, do you see that as just kind of passing the responsibility onto another player to make a to make a, a long ball basically? Com completely that. Completely that. Um, if the if the, if the opponents decide to do a high press. No, no problem. But if they're, if they're back four or back three are starting on the on the halfway line, and I know with Josh's kicking ability where he where he can reach from a goal kick, you can't be offside. So have your centre forward start ten yards deeper because then when the ball goes over the top, the back three or back four, however however many it is, they're going to go. Oh, actually, they can they can turn us and go long as well, and then that that creates a space where I guarantee you in this clip in that half, I reckon there'll be at least eighteen players. There might be a couple in in the opposition half. It'll be about eighteen players, so you probably have a nine v nine and a half. So so let's let's go here because we were talking about you know and, and you were talking about not playing into channels, not playing into channels here. Uh, by the way, I don't want this to feel like this is the, the like a ragging on Josh Gold situation no, no, no. right here. It's just we're we're using this for ed for educational purposes. So if Josh is watching this right here, I we were just concerned about showing any Swansea footage because you know. <laughs> I mean, unless no, you're comfortable fine. with unless you're comfortable with old footage, I can, I can, do, I can do some bits. No problem. Um, can? Okay. I, posted, I posted the goal kick. I just want to let you guys know I posted the goal kick, and that like I, I posted I posted it on my Instagram. I don't know if you saw, 
like uh, about a month ago too. I posted it and it got a lot of attention. People were, you know, some people were. Yeah, huge I can, fans I of can it. explain it. It's, it's no problem. Um, okay. okay. We're going back to the channel born, Michael. Um, yeah. Uh, and this is this is more for the Alpha boys, really. But um, if you're if you're a right back, for example, and you've come through the academy, you've you've dedicated your life to being a professional footballer. Um, you get all the way through to from being an under eight year old all the way through to 18, 19, you make your first team debut. Um, you're, you've got to be a very good player to be a professional footballer. You've got, you've got to have a little bit of luck, but you've got to be able to handle the ball if you're a first team professional player at 19. Um, and if, if someone tells me, right, you're going to get the ball and what you're going to do, you're going to smash it 70 yards down the touchline for a channel ball to the corner flag. I would, I would say, why have I give up? the last 12, 13 years trying to be a professional footballer for that, it's, it makes absolutely no sense. And then in England, it, it happens all the time. They get it, they smash it, it goes out of play. And and the crowd cheer. And I think, what what are you cheering for? You've just kicked the ball out of play. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, you've got your your centre forward running down to facing the corner flag, away from goal. Now, I don't, I don't know if I'm wrong here, but if, if, you're, if you're the centre forward and you're playing up front, there's a reason why you're playing up front. It's because you're probably the best at finishing in between the in between the boxes. Uh, so if you're if you're getting told to to run down to face the corner flag, uh, you're going to have a centre half that's going to want to kick you or, or come climb over the top of you. I'd be thinking that's that's not my role. My my role as centre forward is to stay in the middle of the goal. So when a cross comes in or when a pass comes in, I'm the best one right now in this team to to finish it. Um, I, I just don't get why we do it in in this culture. We get it and we crash it down the line. It goes out of play and everyone claps. Uh, I think it's madness. Well, I mean, I'm just looking at this play right here. And again, different club on loan in a different different environment right here. But now when I'm looking at this right here, this play right here, For we, me, basically it's, it's could, we, could, we could have accomplished the exact same thing with probably put, put ourselves in a more advantageous position from a spacing standpoint with playing if that you, ball if you out. go back to where Josh has the ball, Michael. Yeah. Okay. My, my, my argument would be, why, why do you need to kick it? You're not being pressed. So why don't you take more territory? Why don't you gain more yards? And then if someone, do, if the nine does press you, he seems to be the nearest one to the ball there. You've got the outs, you've got the left side center half and you've still got the number four. So you've got a freebie one. And if the, the other, uh, I think it's number 11 here with the red boots. If he decides to press from the opposite side, no problem. You can find the opposite side of the pitch. You've got a lot of space, uh, and you've still got time. Uh, I don't. I don't see the need to strike the ball yet. I'd, I'd still try and gain yards. One more thoughts? Yeah. No, a hundred percent. I think that's also to like the tactical understanding of reading <clears throat> what one action does for the opposing team, and it's they're all patterns. And I think uh, most teams, for example, if they they smell blood. You're playing short, playing short. Eventually, where's the space going to be? We've had so many situations this year where we've had literally a three-on-three because with our, with our three strike, we play a four-three-three here. So we have our three strikers who have are being covered by three center backs. So it's like, okay, well, if we're playing short, we're playing short. Eventually, if you have to go big by drawing them in, if you're going to go big, now we've created more space for our strikers, and now it's one v one. 
So it's like whether you're playing into one of those guys and one of them makes a run, it creates that space for someone to check in like a false nine. They get it, they turn, they go. But I think our team is structured for that. We have three really good strikers, so we understand that if we're playing short, eventually our strikers aren't dormant. They're not just standing there waiting, but they're actually creating opportunities for our goalkeeper to say, okay, last resort, I'm going to go big. But it's an educated decision. It's not, or it's, a, it's a calculated decision, not something that we're just doing um, to, to you know, get away from pressure. Yeah, and when you go back to a calculated decision, that's that's the reason why we believe in the way we want to play because no, no, not one opponent can press for ninety minutes. It's impossible, physically impossible. And we always say if it's nil nil at sixty minutes, we we know we're we're going to win the game because they're physically tired from chasing and chasing the ball, and you're passing them to death. Uh, where if you decide just to turn them and make it a game of basketball, it's a it's a flip of a coin who wins the game. If you're playing around them, playing through lines, if you're creating space, if you're standing structure, the one the opposition will either make a mistake where they go to press and they can't and they shouldn't really press, they should stay in their zone or slot, and we get a chance there. But also uh, mentally, it's it's draining. If you know you're not going to come, you're coming to Swansea and you're not going to touch the ball, we're already on the front foot because we know we've got that advantage. Um, so that's why we say we we hate making a game of basketball because it's. Anyone can win, you, and you rely on one player to to win you that game. That that little bit of magic, where if you've dominated territory, dominated possession, if you play that game a hundred times, ninety nine times out of hundred, you should win the game. You, there's always going to be that one time where you don't, for a little bit of luck or whatever. But if you're if you're passing the ball around and you're keeping to the detail, um, the opposition find it really really tough. No, Omar, I, how, how are you doing on time? Here? Well, go ahead. No, no, I'm doing okay. Doing okay. I have I have thirty minutes. I'll be fine. But um, just to, to, to the point that I was trying to make earlier to Dean, you, you saying essentially, I think for young coaches, myself included, where you know, we're attached to the philosophy of the coach or we have our own philosophy about the position, it's like it, a lot of that stuff is tried and true. Like we've experienced it and we've seen it progress to the level that we're comfortable saying that this is what we, we stand behind. And I think there are times too where you're standing behind something, it doesn't work once or twice, but because you're so rooted in what you believe, you like you said there's kind of just like okay it didn't work okay like well, you want me to change you want me to completely yeah. just throw away all the work we've put you know we we've put throughout the week so i think that is where i think some coaches and i had a college coach sometimes as well where we prepared the whole week and then the first 5 minutes didn't go the right way and he threw things completely you know into the trash he was like nope okay let's revert back to what we were doing and you lose the trust of the players cuz it's like well we just worked and you don't you felt capable throughout the week that we could, you know, take this assignment and run with it. And now all of a sudden, because this team, you know, exposed once or twice, exploited certain spaces, now we're completely throwing that away. No, let us adjust, let us adapt. But you need the exactly ability that. from the coach to allow that to happen we, and uh, manifest. We, we, we have a saying here, um, well, the, the fans have a saying here. Um, if it's not going right, go to plan B. Now, in England, for us, plan B means hit it as far away from our goal as possible to the big man up front. That isn't a plan B. If, if plan A is not working, no problem. Make plan A better. You have to you have to work harder. Plan, plan B isn't getting the ball and crashing it to the centre forward. That's that's not a plan. That's that's crossing your fingers. Uh, and unfortunately, there's still a coach here in England. Um, if it doesn't work straight away, oh, we don't worry about that. It's just, just crash it to the centre forward. Um, that doesn't give you long-term results. That doesn't give you long-term gains of players. Um, linking it to, to obviously the business model of, of clubs. Um, if you're if you're going to to a, 
a League One or a Championship, whoever, whoever you are, if you're going to watch a game and if you're, for example, you're watching midfielder, um, he's in a game where it's a game of basketball and both teams are crashing it. All he does is watches the ball to go over his head for 90 minutes. The scout comes back to the team and goes, what is it, what's he like? I don't know. He, he didn't touch it. Where in the way we play, they get a lot, a lot of touches of the ball. Uh, what's he good at? Oh, he's, he's good at manipulating the ball. He can turn off his right. He's not so good on his left, for example. But when you go to games, I've been to so many games where you go to watch a player and not just goalkeepers, outfield players as well. What was he like? He, he didn't touch the ball. What do you mean? Oh, he was in the air for nine minutes. Um, and that's where even now people that I speak to in the game, um, they're recruiting. What would you need from a goalie? I oh, needs to be big and needs to be able to kick it. Right. Okay. What, what, what do you mean kick it? Oh, he's got to be able to turn them. Okay, so how how do you play? Oh yeah, we just we just crash it forward, and you go. Okay, at least you're honest. I get that, but it's when people say they play, and if it doesn't work after two three minutes, I'll just just hit the channel, go long, and you go. Well, you're you're never going to be sustainable because you you told the players that whole week this is what we're going to do, this is how you're going to play, and after two minutes you've changed and you just kick it, and for the other eighty five, eighty six, however many minutes left, the players are looking at you going like, are we just going to keep doing this then, just keep crushing it. And it become, becomes chaos. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I want to post this right here, um, Andy. So, uh, uh, Dean, sorry. I'm talking about Andy right here. Um, so here, I want to post these pictures right here, right here, because now, obviously, higher level. You know, let's let's just let's just be perfectly honest. This is a higher level than when Josh yeah. was at what was on loan right here. Um, and I kind of so want to showcase where everything kind of yeah, starts with. Right that's here. fine. So linking this to the starting point. Now, already... Um, the two, this, the goalkeeper Andy Fisher and the centre half Kyle Norton have already figured something out completely different because Kyle normally starts in the corner six yard box because the centre forward normally starts either way, either side, obviously nearer to Kyle to go and press the ball. They've already figured out right. The centre forward started in on the middle of the eight yard box. Well, no problem. We'll start wider, and then if you play the clip, Fish should play to Norts and Norts should drive for the ball. Okay, yep. so that so we've stopped there, right? So one pass has already taken that centre forward out of the game. Okay, so you're now on to a uh, a ten v nine or eleven v ten. How you will look at if you want to include the goalkeeper from just a starting position to a, a basic ten yard pass. Okay, he's taken out uh, their centre forward. So you, if you play the clip on, right? So or the Carfer. Okay, so if you go back slightly, I'd explain yeah. to you some bits we do. If you keep playing, I'll tell you when to stop. Okay, stop there. Right. So if you you can see how now number four is running towards the ball, okay. Yeah. It should never be straight straight line, okay. There's always be an angle to to pass or receive. So the the number four that's running towards the ball, he's left footed. So if a, if he plays to the right hand side, obviously safe side, you've taken that midfielder out of the game. You've then taken three players out of the game, okay. What Fisher now the goalkeeper should do, and he should be coming nearer towards the middle of the uh, sorry towards the edge of the eighteen yard box. So if Kyle, who's on the ball now, decides to bounce to, to midfield number four. He then, then has a shorter distance to play to Andy Fisher, who can then go straight away, either first time, ideally, and he can play out from the other side. So, again, you've taken three people out of a press by two passes. Wow. Omar, anything you want to add to that? This is next level, man. <laughs> no, I just, I mean, it, it, uh, I'm going to use the term now, safe side. That's the, I always say like the back foot, but safe side is probably yeah. the, the right way to say it. So, I'm going to use that from now on. So, when he passes there, so... If you see now, if you go back slightly, and this is something we worked on with Andy, and this is what you said about earlier, Omar, about when you're young, you're, you're getting taught to receive on the back foot, go wide, okay? 
if you watch Noah Andy's run as he passes it, he actually goes wide and then realizes, no, no, like we've told you to stand in the middle. And I'll explain why in a minute. If he, he plays it, look, his first thought is to go wide. And then you realize, oh no, I've got to come back to the middle, right? If it, we say, if you go wide, you're, you can only play down one side. If you can't stay in the middle and be that bounce, one, if you're that good, you can scan the whole pitch and you can recognize what's going on. Now, the reason why most goalkeepers, well, everyone wants to go wide is because normally they go onto their safe side where they can play first time with their stronger foot. No one ever wants to get caught in the middle where they might have to, to chop it of their right foot to their left or left to the right, vice versa. Uh, we say no, like you, the way you... But Dean, that's a lot of youth coach. A lot of youth coaches are telling the goalkeepers to go wide because they're, they're concerned about them, you know, giving up a goal that way. But our, our argument is whenever you've got the ball, if you're a goalkeeper, if you're an outfield player, as soon as you've got the ball, drive to the middle. And the reason we say you drive to the middle, if no one presses you, no problem, you go straight to the opposition goal. At some point, someone's going to have to come and press you. So that's when you hook them. Okay, so as soon as we, have, we get the ball on the pitch, ideally, you should now drive to the middle. Okay, so here we're playing now to play into the four to, to bounce. But whenever you've taken, whenever you receive the ball, regardless if you're a left winger, if you're a right side centre half, wherever you are on the pitch and you receive the ball, drive towards the middle of the pitch because at some point someone's going to have to come out and try and steal the ball from you. And that's when your structure is set up to play around or through or beyond or, or, or onto. Um, and that gives you numbers in your favour. So this one here, if you see now, um, see this is so. This is this is the picture that I'm I'm very curious about because it's so direct yeah. right here, and you're literally right. communicating to stay direct like this. Look how flat. So he is. so he says stay away, and uh, if you play it on, okay, I think this is the clip where Joel rolls inside. Right, perfect. Right, because if you go back, the the eight that's pressing Norts now. So I think it's uh, as Tomins. I think he's wearing nineteen. Um, if he decides to to stay with Joel, who's, who runs inside the pitch, okay, our number eights will then come out to the outside and receive it. And the reason why the eights do that is because he creates a 2v1 with our wing back against their, their right back. So if the right back decides to jump, we can already play through into our wing back that's, that's through down the side. If he decides not to jump, which he doesn't hear, our number eight should drive towards the middle of the pitch. And then at some point, someone is going to have to engage. So now you see the bottom of the screen here. Our number eight's now coming out of his slot to receive the ball because the number eight, uh, the because of our two eights, where we, we play three up, three up top. So we got we call them number eights. It could be called number tens. So you've got a centre forward and two eights. The centre half's not going to get one or dragged all the way across that side. And what he does now, if he plays, he will receive the ball and he'll drive towards the middle of the pitch and create an overload. So. I mean, we got to we got to extend these clips. <laughs> I know, yeah, man. No. I mean, I, well, I wish they were longer, but the problem, problem was is that you have to cut out the the uh, all the logos and all that stuff so that you don't get a copyright <laughs> infringements. So you got to do a little editing here. Um, I'll send you some bits into the season. You, yeah, that, that, that'd be why. that'd be amazing, man. If um, so, you see on that last clip where our left side centre half decides to run into towards the middle of the pitch. Yeah. If the if the wing because obviously people do the homework right now on us. If they decide to run and block off the number eight, which is receiving at the bottom end of the pitch. All he's got to do is play a two-yard pass into the middle of the pitch, 22, and now he's got a 3v2 in the middle of the pitch. Yeah. Um, I, I want to move on to this one right here because this is yep. from, a, from a traditional goal kick right here. And again, we just saw an, an example you know, from, uh, from, from a lower league right here. Um, so why don't we kind of walk through, through this one here, Dean? Yep. So you press play. Good. Right. The first thing... Listen, we're, we're not happy about this clip, by the way, in the oh, way we play. Okay. Okay. No, it's fine. The, the first thing we uh, we say is 
um, how to receive the ball. He's run straight at our goalkeeper. There's only really one way that we, for centre-half's going to press, centre-forward's going to press, sorry, and it's straight down the line of the goalie again. Luckily for us, Andy Fisher's capable to, to do this kind of play. Uh, if you go back slightly, so okay. what, what we say should have happened here is once he bounces again, good, play now. So you play okay. from Andy. So bounce to okay. the goalie. Good, and I'll tell you when to pause it. Okay. Play, pause now. Right. Oh, okay. So two things should happen here. Bottom of the screen, you can see other number eight, left side number eight. He should be higher. So he should be able to receive this pass in between the passing lanes of the two players being pressed. So bottom of the screen. Also, our right side centre half, when Andy Fisher plays back to the number four, our right side centre half should be running towards the ball so he can leave it soft to either play through to the other side, to the other centre half, or Fisher should be really aggressive and go beyond the six-yard box to take the press out from the centre forward. Does that make sense? So he should be able to leave it soft now to either the right side centre half, so he's going to close the distance, so the right side centre half can then punch it across the 18-yard box to the opposite centre half, or the bottom screen is where our number eight comes to receive it really high. So again, the, the left back doesn't want to come out all that way. And it's just poor execution from us. It's uh, it's something that we, we've spent, actually, we actually said today about it. It's poor execution from us. One, the pass, with how we want to receive the ball. Two, where we are in our slots. Three, we haven't gone to, to meet the ball to, to close the distance so we can punch it out straight away. So to be fair from us, that's, uh, that's not great play from us. See, this is why you're coaching at your level and I'm coaching at my level because I thought actually I didn't recognize any of that right there. I was like, actually, this is a real wow, look how brave they are. Look how, well, look how if, well if played. There, if you stop on that clip there, you've actually got a 4v4 in the 18-yard box. So we've, we've done something wrong because we've not taken, mathematically, we haven't taken anyone out of the game. Omar, do you recognize all this? Uh, no. I, I just, I mean, I, I, I think what, what you look at sometimes too, and I think um, just for me, it's like you find the open man, but at the same yeah. time too, like we talked about before, it's like when you play that ball, can you already think about an idea for this player and where yeah. they can go so with you the see ball what, next? You see here now where he plays back to the goalkeeper. If you play again, okay, right, play, good, right. So the player that's played is decide to go okay. to the edge of the 18 yard box, yeah, right? So what happens now if he leaves it soft to the, the right side centre half, he should be able to sprint behind the, midf the midfield that's pressed and you would notice that he's out of the game. So he'd be able to receive the ball in the middle of the pitch from just from moving three or four yards because you've got two choices now. When the right side centre half goes into the middle of the, of the uh, middle of the pitch, if he receives the ball by the 18-yard box, so the corner of the 18-yard box, he can either bounce straight across the opposite side of the pitch or he can actually play the, the pass to the man that played him the ball. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, so I'm, I'm, I'm recognizing. No, I'm recognizing now the situation that you're talking talking about right now. And I, I didn't even so the, see all of this until you pointed so it the, all out. The number the number four that plays to the goalkeeper then bounces. If the number four plays to the right side centre half, if the right side centre half's closer, okay, he has two choices. He punches to the opposite centre half, or because the man that's pressing the our number four, because of the distances between him and his teammate, he can easily play a slider ball through to the middle of the pitch, and our number four then receive it facing. The opposition's goal, and it had taken out four players from t from two passes. So, so I have, a, I have a question here, Dean. So, what do you do in a scenario like this afterwards as the goalkeeper? So, do you, do you bring we, any of this up? So, yes. Yeah, so, so we we'll review it. Um, like I said, we're really lucky, and our, our manager recognised straight away and turned to us and said, "Listen, they they should have done this." And um, 
we reviewed it today with the the defenders and we we asked them what do you think and to be fair to them they they, they all said the same thing um the way to receive the ball wasn't on so we looked at the fish and said why did you play it uh and he said yeah fair point shouldn't have played it um and then we all said to the right side center half um if you're not creating space to receive the ball as it goes through the middle of the pitch you have to run in to one if we lose the ball you're nearer the center of the goal to defend that's your first thought if you lose the ball but also if you if uh if jay plays it soft to you you can bounce or you play through the, the press and you've taken four people out from from two passes um so yeah and obviously our number eight joel ideally would be higher to to receive um and nine times out of ten jay jay will split them the two pressing and would be out from two passes man i feel like i'm i you know I, i'm glad i'm glad i finally woke up because now i'm learning i'm learning a lot today i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie uh earlier when we were just getting we were, we were just answering questions i was just learning about you know uh, omar's ramadan schedule but but now i'm really learning so um <laughs> Dean, I, I appreciate you taking all, all this time, honestly, you know, during I, for no those people who, out there who don't know the championship season is a grind. It is a brutal. What do you guys play? 70 games a year. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. of games. It's, for, it's 46 league games, but obviously with with cups, um, you, you can end up easy playing 65 games, easy 60 games, uh, but 46 games, obviously with with COVID and, and the World Cup coming this year, it's uh, it's normally two, three games a week. Uh, it is tough and it is tough to um i think that's why i think that's where we're a little bit different in terms of how we are as a staff we're, we're really consistent in our message in terms of the culture um regardless win draw or lose it's about performance and we'll always review uh the performance uh as quick as we can after a game so for example if we if we play away um we'll this coaching staff so the manager, myself, uh, Matt Gill and Chris O'Leary, we'll watch the game back straight away on the bus, uh, going back to, obviously, the the, um, the ground. Uh, the analyst boys will clip up the actions we need to show uh, the players, whether it's the next day they're in or the day after. Um, and even when we play at home, as soon as the game's finished, as a coaching staff, we'll, we'll watch the game back straight away. Uh, and we'll so we've got everything planned in place for the next day or the, or the day after, like I said. Um, and it's, it's clear messages like when you walk into the building, you should be able to walk into our building, guys. On a if it's a Monday morning, you should be able to walk into our building and you wouldn't know if we won, draw, or lost. And the, the reason why we do that is because it's all about consistent messages. If we're telling the players to, to play freely, um, and if we do concede and we're up in the air, then as, as a staff, we're, we're never going to help them. Um, it is about performance and long term performance, you get long term gains. If, if you believe in a, in a style and you believe in the way we play, then we, we only believe it's going to be successful. For us as a staff, um, it's been successful already because Russell's first job at MK Dons, we were there just under two years and Swansea came calling. So we've we've seen it. We've we've gone through it. We've breathed it. Um, and it's a, the club we, we wanted to go to because of the, if their beliefs as a, as, a, as a club and as a fan base. Um, so for us, it's, it's all about the process. You you brought some of your goalkeepers from from Don's to the to the club, didn't you? Didn't you? Yeah. Um, so uh, just on just on Andy Fisher, um, he he was currently signed for for Blackburn Rovers. Um, I knew their goalie coach really well just through through years of coming against each other on courses. And he always said to me, "I've got a goalie with in my team that he's not playing for our first team. He's currently number two and number three at the time." Um, and he said, "Look, I, I really fancy him that he's going to be a top top goalie." Uh, as you do, you do your you do your research. You, you watch him play for the twenty threes. You watch him Y scout. You you keep track of his progress. 
Uh, and it got to a point where we could do a, a loan for, for him at MK Dons. Uh, so we brought him on a loan. Um, and unfortunately for, for Fish, he didn't play at all that year because obviously COVID um, uh, made the season finish, curtailed the season. And um, our number one at the time, Lee Nichols, who's now playing for Huddersfield, he was playing playing really well for us. And he, Fish never got in the team. Uh, and then when it comes to the start of second season, um, I said to our gaffer, look, um, I'm really keen to bring Fish back because I, I believe in his qualities and, and Gaffer loved him anyway. Uh, and we finally got him done on a permanent. So we signed him on a permanent deal. He ended up getting the shirt and he, he went from there and he flew and he kept he kept Lee Nichols out. Um, obviously, coming to Swansea you've and the style that we, we want to play, you've got to trust the people that can do it. Um, obviously, you want people in the building that have lived and breathed it already. Um, so we obviously, we had to wait six months till the January window opened to to sign Andy Fisher. Um, and that's because obviously we, we know what he, he brings to us as a coaching staff, but we know what the qualities he, he brings to us as a as a goalkeeper to the team. First and foremost, keeping the ball out of his net, which is his job, but also having the uh, ability to play the way we want to play, being calm and composed under pressure. That's awesome, man. Uh, well, I, as we start wrapping up right here, um, uh, Omar, any, any final thoughts on restarts before, uh, before we let Dean uh, plug all his academy stuff going on? <laughs> Uh, no, I think just, I, I'm, uh, I'm on the side of, I've seen how it, how much more beneficial it is to, uh, have a goalkeeper who obviously wants to play out of the back, but have a head coach that trusts their goalkeeper enough to play out of the back. So I'm just hoping that, uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that in the future, as the game progresses in, in all parts of the world, that, uh, you know, training build outs and more goalkeeper coaches can speak on build outs the way Dean just did. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm, I'm trying to follow that path as well and, and recognize things that uh, we can, you know, break lines or uh, find the, the strong side or the support side of, is that, was that what you said? Support side? Is that what it is? Safe side, we call it. Safe, Safe side. side. Oh my God. I already forgot in, in 10 minutes. But Omar, yeah, where did you it, take your notes? Where you got to uh, take your notes, dude? You got to take your notes. I thought I had, I thought, I thought that was going to, that, that was going to stick. I didn't need to take a note, but, but yeah, I think that's to me. It's 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 a, it's an important topic, and I think that um, the way the game is going, the goalkeepers nowadays from from a young age need to be able to uh, be a part of the rondos, be a part of all the buildouts, and um, hopefully, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just like who can play those situations better. But everybody from from foundational phases can play it. It's just giving yeah, them know, the freedom to play. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. By the way, guys, for anybody guys who had a bunch of questions on here, guys, we had a bunch of questions on here. They weren't really relevant to the topic, so. Better place to put that is probably in the forum on the union. If you haven't joined the union yet, guys, it is very simple. All you have to do is go straight to this link tree that has Omar Zini's name on it right there. It looks like it's an Omar Zini fan page. I promise you it'll get you to the union goalkeeper community or unionsports.com on the desktop guys put them in the forum questions guys a lot of great goalkeeper coaches and players and parents and everybody all engaging on there and they're going to be able to help answer your questions also dean i'm sure we'll be able to uh, get back to you on social media and dean we'd love to get you involved on the union in some capacity i mean your your stuff is awesome i've been watching all your all your stuff that you've been posting online um with that being said uh tell us a little bit about what's going on with the dean thornton academy so um I don't years ago I decided to start my own goalkeeper cutting when I was coaching at QPR. Um, and the biggest mistake I made um, after maybe a year of doing it, I'd, I'd just come away from it. Um, so years again down the line, I decided to to do it again. Um, I've got a, a goalkeeper centre in Maidenhead, uh, which is obviously where I'm 
based at the moment. I actually moved to Swansea uh, next week, so I haven't got to do the the three hour drive up and down the M4 no more. So uh, brutal. I've got, yeah, it's it's not great. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I've got a, an academy in uh, Maidenhead, which runs on Fridays, and I've got an academy that runs on Wednesdays in Reading. Um, and that's just that's just all goalkeepers. So it's all different grassroots uh, abilities. Um, got my coaches. Uh, one's uh, worked for Watford. One, the other go, uh, goalkeeper coach works for Arsenal. Working at all different levels from from foundation to professional development phase. But it's just given the the keepers a, a chance to um, get some goalkeeper training. Really, because obviously at grassroots level um, here you you don't have specific goalkeeper coaches. You might have. A dad that wants to step in and, and take shots at the goalkeeper which is fine um but it's obviously trying to get them a, a level of understanding the role understanding the uh, the capacity the capacity you need to be a goalkeeper um most most of them just want extra training which is fine um yeah. from a fitness point of view it's brilliant because obviously they're, they're getting out of the house and not on their their xboxes or the playstations which you see a lot of kids do now um so yeah it's just a, a session a week at maiden a session a week in reading um and i'll be i'll be really honest it's also for the fact that um i know i'm going to get sacked at some point whether it's in a year two years you're never going to stay in the game however good you are as a coach whether you are bad as a coach so i've also done it as a, as a business opportunity as well where if i can if i do get sacked at some point i can go back to that and i can obviously spend more time myself there um, so that's why I want to branch out and obviously build a business for myself, but also to give the the keepers the support that they they won't have at their their local clubs because it's just um, not necessary to have a, have a goalkeeper coach. So it's just giving them an opportunity to to enjoy the role. Well, I, I love it, man. See, Omar, you got to have outside outside uh, projects going on because you never know when you're going to get sacked uh, <laughs> in the in the professional uh world well, well dean if people want to reach out to you uh is uh at dt keeper academy is that what it is my uh i'm trying to figure my instagram because i've got two i've got personal one and uh goalkeeper. it's uh, dean thornton goalkeeper academy dean thornton all, goalkeeper uh, academy. yeah i'll just all double check so i don't I, i'll make sure i don't have it wrong um yeah feel, <laughs> we'll feel put it in the show to, notes. Um, don't worry about it that's fine feel free to to fire in some questions no problem I, obviously um, I'll answer them as quick as I can. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just Dean Thornton Goalkeeper Academy. Great. And guys, obviously, if you have a question or comment for us, contact at insidethe18media.com or at Goalkeeper Podcast on all socials, including the Union Goalkeeper Academy, guys. If you have a guest suggestion or topic suggestion, also throw it out there. If you want to reach out to Omar Zini, you know where to go. This channel right here, at Academy underscore on Instagram. If you want to reach out to me directly at Michael Magid or Michael Magid comedy.com. Uh, Dean, thanks honestly for, for all the time, guys. Uh, that's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later, guys. Yeah!